The following is a message by Pastor Dale O'Shields, Senior Pastor of Church of the Redeemer. We pray that you will be blessed by this message. Now, here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Continue today to talk about this theme of energized and encouraged. We're going to talk today about how to be an encourager. This is actually a two-part message. I'll continue this theme next week as well, how to be an encourager. You know, all of us, whether we realize it or not, have an impact upon other people around us. Your life impacts people either positively or negatively, or perhaps just sort of in between somewhere. And so I want to talk about the impact of your life when it comes to encouragement through your words, through your actions, through your engagement, through your personality. You are having an impact upon other folks. I want to draw a little continuum on the board as we get started today to help all of us sort of picture the process of, of encouragement in our lives and how to be an encourager. This is a bit of a continuum, and I want you to think of three points on this continuum. There are certain people who, by reason of their actions and attitudes and just the way that they interact with people, they tend to be discouragers. And I'll talk more about that uh, in, a, in a few moments. And then on the other end of the continuum, those who've really developed their skills, have a heart for other people, and really have learned something about encouraging people. And they have this, this encouraging spirit, and we would call them encouragers. And then somewhere in the middle are the folks who are just basically neutral little impact negatively or positively on others. Let's talk about the discouragers for a moment. The discouragers are those who, when they come around, they tend to take your life down instead of up. They come in with their complaints, either about themselves or their complaints about you or whatever the issues may be in their life. And when they get around you, it's sort of like letting the air out of your balloon. It might be a small little prick or it might be a, a blast to the balloon, but it just takes everything out of you. And most of us know people like that. And sadly, sometimes some of us are like that. We get around people and we tend to deflate them instead of help them in their life. So we are discouragers. There's some people I'm absolutely sure have the gift of discouragement. It just seems to be who they are, okay? Every time they come around, instead of planting anything that builds anyone up, they tend to carry people and, and, and bring people down. On the other side of that coin, there are others that you can get around that really, as soon as you get around them, it seems as though your, your life goes up a level. There's something about them that lifts your spirit. They seem to know exactly the right words to say or the right things to do that help you to feel a little bit better about what God's doing in your life, what God's going to do in your life, feel a little bit better about who you are as a person, what's going on in your circumstances around you. And they are lifters. They're people that hold you up. There's the group that pulls you down, and there's the group that holds you up. And so this one is draining. This one is building. And then there's this group in the middle. They're the neutrals. And the reason that most people are neutral in the sense of not either being a discourager necessarily or an encourager is because they are suffering from the affliction called self-absorption. They're self-absorbed. And so because they're really thinking about themselves, they're not really thinking about people around them, they don't really engage very much in trying to help someone, they may not necessarily try to bring other people down, but they're living in their own world. They're just absorbed in this world called themselves. They're absorbed in me, me, myself, and I, and what's going on with me, myself, and I in any particular situation in life. And so we don't have anything to give because all of our resources are being used on ourselves. okay? Everything is being focused on who and what we are and what we're facing in life. 
What I want to do as a part of this series and this weekend and next weekend is to help us move from either this portion, this self-absorbed kind of category, or anywhere that we might be toward this part of the continuum over in this direction, because this is God's will for your life, as it is a part of your growth as a Christian, that you're growing as an encourager. You can't grow as a Christian without learning to grow as an encourager. And these, moving in either of these directions, from neutral to discouraging or encouraging, involves actions or things that you do. There's certain things you have to learn to do or be that enable you or to move from this status to this status or that will cause you to fall into this category. And so we want to learn the skills. We want to learn the capacities. We want to begin to develop the, the ability to grow in our Christian life so that we can become this kind of person. How many of you would say today, I want to be an encourager? Amen. I want to be this person moving beyond self-absorption, certainly moving beyond discouragement to being an encourager to others. So today I'm just going to share with you two things that will help you begin this process of moving more so in this direction. Or if you perhaps maybe you from time to time you're, you're, you find yourself over here, but I want to help you to live in this side of the equation, this side of the continuum. And both of these principles I'm going to give you today are very, very simple. They're not complex, but they are extremely important in understanding this process. And the first thing, if you and I are going to be an encourager, that we must do is we have to see the need for encouragement around us. We have to see the need for encouragement around us. There is far more discouragement in our world than any of us could imagine. And if we could see into the souls of the people around us every day, if we could read the encouragement meter in the hearts of the people that we interact with, I think all of us would be at some level surprised to see not how strong people are, but actually how drained people are. In the interaction that you have day by day, let's just think of something inside every person called an encouragement battery. And the encouragement battery inside your soul, the soul of another person, is either going to be fully charged or it's going to be draining or having been drained. And I would venture to say that if we could honestly see into the souls of most people that we encounter, we're looking at folks who have a severely, significantly drained battery. That maybe in their life they're already getting those little warning signs that say 20%, 10% of battery power left. And they're living off of that 20, 10, 15% of battery power because there's a gap in where they are now and the encouragement that they need, that they're lacking encouragement. It happens in homes and families, it happens in marriages, it happens on the job, it happens in friendships, it happens in all kind of realms of life. But the first point in us being able to move to this side of the equation, this side of the continuum, is to realize there is a huge need in our world for encouragers. There's a huge need in our world for encouragers. It's a massive, massive epidemic in our culture today. A lot of the social ills we have in our world today are not really social ills that go back necessarily to people always being bad people. Sometimes it has to do with people who just don't have very much in their battery. There's very little left and they're living out of a deficit of life and no one has ever been there to encourage them. And so because of their lack of encouragement, they're just somehow trying to survive with very bad skills. And so that's not to negate the issues of, of sin and, and, and evil that would represent itself in humanity. But a lot of our problems in our world today are encouragement problems, lapses in encouragement. There are a lot of 
students that could become scholars if they had a little bit more encouragement. There are a lot of average athletes that become, could become significant athletes that had a little bit more encouragement. There are a lot of Christians that become better Christians that had a little bit more encouragement. Amen? So there's this massive need for encouragement in our world, and we'll do nothing about it until we actually see the need, till we start looking beyond the surface level in people's lives, and we begin to say, you know what, maybe that battery needs to be charged. Maybe that battery, that, that encouragement battery in that person's soul needs someone to come along and attach a charger to it to give them a bit more energy. It's not just the weak people that need this, even the strong people need it. I think all of us would agree that one of the strongest individuals in the Bible, probably the second strongest person you'd ever read about in Scripture, first being, of course, Jesus Christ, is the Apostle Paul. Would you all agree that he was a pretty strong guy? No question about it. I mean, Paul went through all kind of stuff in his ministry. But you know that even the Apostle Paul faced times in his life when his encouragement battery began to be drained. Let me take you to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 5 and 6, and I want you to see the level of the encouragement battery in Paul's soul at one particular time. This is only one instance of many we could talk about, but he writes these words again, 2 Corinthians chapter 7. When we arrived in Macedonia, that's where the city of Philippi was, there was no rest for us. We were working all the time. We faced conflict from every direction, so they're working all the time, and they're in the middle of conflict because of the gospel with battles on the outside and what does it say next? Fear on the inside. Now, one of the things that will drain your battery, your encouragement battery is fear on the inside. It's not just what's going on on the outside, but the fear on the inside. And then he says this in verse 6, but God, but God, but God. Well, I'm going to preach a but God sermon one day, all right? But God who encourages those who are discouraged. Notice that. Encourage us by, read the rest with me, the arrival of Titus. Isn't it interesting that the Apostle Paul said that I was in this place where my spiritual, emotional encouragement level was fairly drained by all the things I was going through. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, actually charged my battery but he didn't say that God did it supernaturally. How did God do it? By the arrival of Titus, which means that Titus showed up on the scene as an encourager. So Paul is talking about the value of this in his own life. And there's this epidemic all around us of people, both strong and weak, who need encouragement in their life, families and people in the context of the life of the church and people on your work and in your neighborhood. There are people who need to have their batteries charged. And discouraged people are people who just miss things in life that they could take advantage of or experience wonderful blessings from. Discouragement takes you out of life. It robs you of the courage that you need for life. It has a lot of negative consequences that we can reverse if we can learn to be encouragers. So the first thing is to open up your eyes and see the need. Let me encourage you this week that as you go to work, as you wake up in the morning, let me start there as you start your day to just think about the people in your own household and all of us need to do that. What can I do today to, to add some encouragement to them when you arrive at work? Start looking at people a little differently and say, you know what, maybe I can charge their battery just a little bit today. What are, where are the needs around me? I need to see the need of encouragement because it is all around me. The second principle today 
Very simple principle. Once we've seen the need, we have to then answer God's call to become an encourager. Seeing a need never resolves a need. People see needs all the time. But just seeing it doesn't fix it. Because once you see a need, you then have to see a solution. And then not only see the solution, you actually have to to become a part of the solution. So it starts with seeing the need. A lot of us haven't seen that. And so now we're waking up to the reality. There are a lot of discouraged people in our world. Amen? A lot of discouraged people in our world. We see that need. Okay, now we're kind of a little bit more aware of that. Well, what's the solution? The solution is encouragers, and and yet we still have to take it a step further and become a part of the solution and say, I I want to be able to engage in this process. Because when you and I do the work of encouraging, we're doing the work of God. Every time you encourage someone, you're actually doing God's work. Because God Himself is the solution to discouragement, because God is the great encourager. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Listen closely to a word that's going to appear multiple times in these verses. All praise to, to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others when they are troubled, so we will be able to give them the same comfort God has given us. What word did you notice appearing multiple times in those two verses? The word comfort. That word comfort in the Greek language can also very appropriately be translated encouragement. It's not a different word that is translated here for encouragement. Actually, the Greek word is paraklesis. And the word paraklesis, para alongside, klesis, call. The basic meaning of the word paraklesis is to call alongside. That's the meaning of the word. So if you need to be comforted, Comfort comes from someone who has called where? Alongside of you. Many of you have gone through grief moments in your life and those moments of tragedy or grief that you're facing, it feels so comforting to have somebody that comes alongside you. They're just there. It's not always even the words that they're saying. I have people that ask me at times, well, pastor, I've got this situation with a person who's going through real grief. What do I do for them? What do I say to them? What do I need to tell them? And many times I'll say, don't tell them anything. Just be there for them. And sometimes the greatest thing that you can do in life is just to be alongside another person, to come along beside them and to be called to their side. And that's the idea there of paraclesis. And so paraclesis is to comfort, it is to encourage. And so let's go back to those two verses again and let's change the word from comfort to encourage without doing any damage to the Scriptures. I tell you these things now while I'm with you, but when the Father sends the encourager instead of me and by the encourager, Encourager, I mean the Holy Spirit, He will teach you much as well as, as remind you of everything I myself have told you. He, in, 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 I'm sorry, I'm reading the wrong verse, right? Okay, some of you are saying, well, what are we talking about there, okay? Well, it's the same thing, but I'll come back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. All praise. Is that the right one? Okay, thank you. Okay. 
got ahead of myself. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all encouragement. He encourages us in all our troubles so that we can encourage others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same encouragement that God has given to us. So again, we see this idea of encouragement. Let me take you a step further here. It's the verse I was just reading for you. Now, when we talk about this concept of encouragement, paraclesis, it's interesting that Jesus used the same Greek word, the root of the same Greek word, to describe the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? Anybody still with me today? Even though I read the wrong scripture a moment ago, you're still with me? All right, I'm getting to it right now. Here, here, here's the scripture. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you, but when the Father sends the comforter or the encourager instead of me, and by the comforter or encourager, I mean the Holy Spirit, He will teach you much as well as remind you of everything I myself have told you. So Jesus said, when I go away, I'm going to send to you the track with me today. This is very important. I'm going to send to you the Holy Spirit and he will also be known as the comforter or also, what is the other word we learned that goes along with that? The encourager. Paraclete is the word there, okay? Many of you have heard that phrase before, the blessed paraclete, that's the Holy Spirit, represents the Holy Spirit. And so here's the thing that you and I need to understand. That Jesus wants you and I to be a comforter or an encourager to other people so much so that when he went away back to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit to us, one of the primary characteristics of the Holy Spirit is to bring encouragement to you and to us and comfort to you and to all of us, but to also work through you to bring comfort and encouragement to the people around you. See, the Holy Spirit lives in you, and the ministry of encouragement is in you through the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, the temple of the comforter, the temple of the encourager, the temple of the paraclete, the temple of the one who comes to bring encouragement, who lives in you and was given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. So here's what I want you to listen. Hear, hear me this morning. You may want to write this down. The great encourager lives inside of you if you know Jesus. That when you need encouragement, you don't have to go looking for encouragement because encouragement lives in you. The Holy Spirit, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit actually lives in you. So the great encourager lives in you, and the great encourager wants to be expressed through you to the people around you. It's the ministry that you and I have been called to. Now, this whole idea is, is critical for you and I being used by God. How many of you want God to use you with your life? Do you? Okay, I do. We all want God to use us, okay? For God to be able to use you, He's got to be able to work through you, right? That's what it means to be used by God. So we've got this big need in the world for people to be encouraged, and God says, I actually equipped you for this. I put the great encourager inside of you, not just for you, but so that the, the encouragement can work through you to the people around you, but I need you to become available to me to answer the call to actually let me use you to encourage people. 
There's a passage that is not on your notes that I want to talk about just for a moment because I think it'll really bring home this whole principle that I'm trying to share with you today. And then we'll look at a few other verses and we'll be done today. In the book of Exodus, chapter 17, as the children of Israel are going out of Egypt, they've come out of Egypt, they're on their way to Mount Sinai where God's going to give them the law and get them prepared to go into the promised land. As they're on their way, they, had a, they encounter a group of enemies called the Amalekites. And so they're, they're going to face a battle. And so here's the, here's the nation of Israel. They're facing this first battle with the Amalekites. And God gives Moses a set of instructions. He says, Moses, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go up to the top of this particular mountain. And I want you to raise your hands to me. And I want you to send Joshua down to the battlefield. And here's my promise, Moses. If you'll keep your hands up toward me, then as long as your hands are extended toward me, then I will cause there to be victory on the battlefield. Joshua will win the war as long as your hands are lifted up. So let me ask you to do something this morning. We're going to have a little uh, Sunday school today. You ready for this? Kind of put your notes aside there for a moment. And I, want, I want all of us here today just go ahead and lift your hands up. Both of your hands up if you'll just keep them up for a moment. Okay, thank you. That's awesome. Thanks for participating. This will be a good object lesson for you. Now, I think all of us can lift our hands up for a few minutes here. If I said, we're going to oh, keep them up for 30 seconds, no problem, I can do that. But I've said, keep them up for the next four hours. How many you know that would be a problem, right? Okay. Don't put your hands down. Hold tight. Keep them up. Okay. Because what happens over a period of time is when you hold your hands up, what, what's going to ha- transpire? Your muscle fatigue starts happening, right? And all those things that happen inside your muscles, you, you get a place where you start doing this, right? Start doing this, you start shaking. And so you can do it for a period of time, but at some point in time, your hands are going to start drifting downward. Now keep your hands up. Okay. I'm not done with the lesson yet. Okay. This was Moses on the top of the mountain. Now here's the key. Here's the key. As long as Moses did this, how many are getting tired already? Okay, right? As long as Moses did this, what happened on the battlefield? Joshua was winning, okay? And every time that Moses would get tired and drop his hand, no, don't drop yours yet, okay? okay. (laughs) Then Joshua would start losing. How many know that that Joshua was pulling for Moses to keep his hands up, right? Because everything on the battlefield was determined by Moses keeping his hands up. Now, I'm just about done. Stay with me just for a moment, okay? There came a point when Moses could not hold his hands up any longer. And God sent two people along with him. And it was the, the two folks' names were, anybody remember their names? Aaron and Hur, okay. And Aaron and Hur came and they let Moses sit down on a rock and they came underneath him and they held this. How many of you would like to have somebody hold your arms up about right now? You can drop your hands now. Go ahead. You can do it. Thank you so much. That's good. Okay. This is an illustration. Here's what I want you to see. Why did I have you to do that? Because there are a lot of people who could win battles if they had somebody holding their hands up, okay, right? There are a lot of battles that could be won, okay? And there are times in your life when you've had your hands up, you say, somebody please come and help me keep these hands up, okay? Somebody give me some assistance here. And Moses had the value of having two men that you don't normally think about. You think about Moses and Joshua, right? But you don't think very much about Aaron and Hur. But you know that Aaron and Hur were just as critical to the win as Moses and Joshua were. Amen? Okay. And here's what I want you to see. That when you learn how to come up underneath people and hold their arms up, your, your, names may not, your name may not be front and center in terms of the victory. Joshua won the victory and Moses was the man with his hands extended. 
but it could not have happened had it not been for an Aaron and a her helping the process. And that kid in your classroom at school that is so irritating, perhaps what that teacher needs to do is find a way to get his hands up because there's a victory that can be won there, amen? Okay. That ornery person at work that nobody likes, maybe the problem with them is they just they have really low battery in terms of encouragement and what they need is somebody to come along and help get their arms up because that's where the victory is going to be won. Maybe that child you're having a problem with at home, or maybe what the, it could be a variety of things. You just fill in the blank for the different issues in your life. But many of us just simply need to come alongside other people and say, you know what? I'm not concerned about being the Moses or the Joshua. I just want to be an Aaron. I just want to be a her. Can I hold your arms up? Can I encourage you? Because I believe if I can get your arms up, there'll be some victories that will be won. Amen. There'll be some breakthroughs that will happen. So God is looking for people who will engage in what kind of ministry? The ministry of encouragement. He wants you. He's calling you to be an encourager. Now, this call is very clear in the Bible. Notice 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 11. So, here's the, the, the command, the directive. So, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Ephesians 4, 29. Again, here's this directive. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear you. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. We must also consider how to encourage each other. Consider how to. Let's think about how to encourage each other to show love and to do good things. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage each other even more as we see the day of the Lord coming. You know the, the, the Apostle Paul? We talked about him a moment ago, but let me tell you a little bit more about his ministry. Most of us think of Paul's preaching ministry, how he would go into places and share the gospel with people who'd never heard the gospel before, and they would accept Christ, and, and churches would be birthed, and this was Paul's ministry, and, and we know this is a valuable part of Paul's ministry, but there's a significant portion of Paul's ministry that had nothing to do with preaching the gospel, had nothing to do with church plants. It had to do with following up on the preaching of the gospel, following up on the churches he had planted in the ministry of encouragement. Notice Acts 14, 21 and 22. After preaching, after preaching the good news in Derby and making many disciples, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch of Pisidia, where they strengthened the believers. They did what? Encouraged them. They came back through, encouraged them to continue in the faith, reminding them that they must suffer many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. Acts 16.40, when Paul and Silas left the prison, that's the prison they'd been in, incarcerated in for preaching the gospel, they returned to the home of Lydia. There they met with the believers, and what did they do? They encouraged them once more. So it's not just the preaching ministry of Paul that was significant, it was the encouraging ministry. Acts 20, verse number 1, when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. What is God calling you to be? He's calling you and me to be an encourager. We see the need. I think all of us would agree there's a great need in our world for encouragement. But God's now looking at you and he's saying, I, I want you to, to join my team. I need an army of encouragers would you answer the call to be an encourager? Would you answer the call to be someone that holds other people's arms up? Would you answer the call to take that step to put something into the lives of others that will help them win victories in their life? Would you be an encourager? 
Now, some of you are saying this. Well, pastor, that's awesome. That's great. I'd love to encourage other people. What about me? I need some encouragement myself. So if I don't, if my battery is looking like this, okay, how can I help charge somebody else's battery if my battery is low? Anybody ever felt that way before, right? I, you know, I, I don't have much in my battery, so how can I, you know, I'll wait till my battery gets really, really charged up, and then I'll be an encourager. That's the mindset. When my battery gets really, really charged, then okay, Jesus, I'll answer your call. But until that time, you've got to charge me, and, and it's all about me, okay, take care of me, because until I can get charged up, I can't charge anybody else. Well, here's the beautiful thing about God. God doesn't, doesn't require you to have everything you need to, use, to be used by Him. He doesn't, okay? Sometimes the way you get what you need is by doing what He asks you to do even when you don't have it, okay? This is important to realize. It's, it's true in your, even in your finances. God doesn't say, well, when you get a lot of money, then start giving. No, He says, start giving with a little bit you have. Remember the story of the widow's might that when she came to the temple, Jesus stopped and said, look at this lady. She, she gave everything she had. So, he, so it's not a matter of having a bunch it's a matter of starting with what you have, okay? So if you've got 2% left in your battery, okay, you've still got something you can give. And here's the beautiful promise. Listen to it. Why don't you read it together with me in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 20, verse 25, latter part of verse 25. Let's read it aloud and loudly, all campuses. Those who refresh others be... Is that what that verse said? Why don't we read it again? Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. Those who charge other people's encouragement batteries will themselves have their encouragement batteries recharged. Oh, could we read it that way, you think? Those who refresh others will themselves be Refresh. So God's saying, no, I understand you only have 2%. I only stand, understand you only have 5% or 10%. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to take what you've got and start using it. Putting into service. Find somebody that you can begin to pour something into. Find someone that you can speak some words of encouragement to. You're going to find a miracle happening. And the miracle that happens is the fact that I will take that process as God begins to use you to help someone else. God says there's a reciprocal dimension that occurs that I begin to pour back into you. Because God says you can't give without getting. Okay, You can't give, you can't pour out without something being poured back to you again. And So the the major lesson that I want us to focus on today is the fact that that part of living the life that Jesus wants us to live is to open up our eyes and look around at a world today. Not the big world out there, but your world. None of us can fix the big world out there. A lot of big world problems that exist, and you and I can't fix all the big world problems, but you can do something about the little world problems where you live, amen? There's a world right around you. It might be as much as you, it may just be your family. It might be the place you work. It might be your neighborhood. But there's some little world around you. You can't fix the big world. But you start with your world. And you step into your world and say, I see the need all around me. That kid on the block down there that seems to be just having a tough time. I, maybe I can speak a word of encouragement to them. Or that person next door to me that seems to be just the tough neighbor to deal with. Maybe I can just speak a word to them of encouragement. Maybe that person on the job... God, where can I encourage? Show me, help me to see the need of encouragement around me. And then, Lord, today, 
this day I am answering your call. I am signing up today to say, God, I want to be used by you. And I know that one of the ways that I can be used by you is by being an encourager. And so I'm putting my name on the dotted line and saying, God, it doesn't matter how much is in my battery. I'm going to take whatever is in my battery and I'm going to start helping other people recharge their battery because I know this, that if I will refresh others, I myself will be refreshed. Would you pray together with me? Father, we thank you for your word today. We're so grateful for the opportunity that we've had to study together. We ask you to take this message. And Lord, help us to see the need all around us, the need for encouragement, Lord. Lord, all of us have people that are surrounding us in our world right now that just need a word of encouragement. And I pray that you'll help us to see that need. And I pray that through the power of the Spirit of God, you'd help us to answer the call today to be encouragers to those around us. And thank you for the amazing changes that are going to happen, Lord. Thank you for the victories that will be won, the breakthroughs that will happen, the wonderful things that will be accomplished because somebody has been encouraged by us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out and you become a new creation all things pass away all things become new and that's exactly what has happened to you today your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good bible believing church and you begin to study god's word get god's word in you and to make sure that you get a copy of the bible if you don't have one and begin to read it spend some time every day in prayer And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. We pray that this message was a blessing to you.